Hello and welcome to Parley, our weekly discussion podcast. I'm G. Sampad, the Hindu's social affairs editor and your host for today. Now, you may be familiar with what's going on with our stand-up comedians and producers of shows for OTT platforms such as Netflix and Amazon Prime. Comedians such as Kunal Kamra and Munawar Faruqi and the makers of entertainment shows such as Tandav have been booked for some reason or the other. This has had a chilling effect, creating a lot of insecurity, fear and double think among those working in the culture and content industries. So here's the question we are considering in this week's Parley podcast. Is India criminalizing comedy and entertainment? And our guests today are Agrima Joshua and Aarti Raghavan. Agrima is a Bombay-based stand-up comedian and a rising star who is sharp in her social observations. Aarti Raghavan is an advocate practicing at the Bombay High Court. She is also the counsel for Kunal Kamra in the criminal contempt proceedings before the Supreme Court. Agrima, Aarti, welcome to Parley. Thank you, Sampath. Thank you so much. Agrima, let's, uh, I'm going to start with you. So my first question to you on this subject is, all of a sudden, uh, stand-up comedians seem to be going around offending uh, everybody's feelings. So what exactly is going on? All of a sudden, is that what you feel? Or is that, do you feel it's been all of a sudden? I don't think it's been all of a sudden that people have started taking offense. I've uh, noticed that the culture of taking offense started right around the time stand-up comedy started picking up on the internet and it's uh, i've been noticing this since the time i joined comedy i joined comedy around the height of the uh, outrage around the aib roast i clearly remember that i don't know the single organization that they did not defend with that roast and uh, we used to make jokes about comedians being this was about which year this this ab roast was about 2011 2015 2011 comedy was still happening in just clubs it wasn't online in such a big way as soon as comedy just okay. reached out to the masses on youtube and as soon as it started picking up uh, in terms of numbers there was a huge amount of outrage associated with our very mainstream comedians who were uh, one of the most uh, successful collectives that we had at that point of time. So okay. uh, this culture of outrage and offense has been uh, pretty standard, if you ask me. I mean, I remember I don't, it wasn't just comedy. I remember there used to be a show called The Nikki Show in the late 90s, where a certain interviewee had uh, been asked about uh, one of our uh, freedom fighters I think he said something derogatory uh, about uh, one of our freedom fighters and it turned out to be a, a, a huge controversy. People were burning effigies and also right now what you're seeing is a mass outrage that people are able to do the equivalent of whatever is burning an effigy. They're able to do it online and turn that into a very violent sort of outrage that actually leads to, it starts online and it finally ends up on the streets and sometimes it turns into very real cases against people. So I don't think this is something new to India. Okay, so do you see, uh, do you think there's been a change since 2015 in terms of what's been happening? The change is that the comedy has just picked up numbers, you know, and it turns out just the comedy scene evolved. Initially, the comedy scene in India was just about people coming on stage and talking about their nagging wives, women drivers. That was the level. That was the level of discourse in comedy. And then, as a cult, as a particular art form evolves, you start to explore different topics, right? You start right. To, the the, the uh, depth and richness of your material increases. And as the comedians uh, started to have an impact on people in people's lives, I remember. Uh, I'm going to bring up AIB again because I remember them being the most impactful at that time. Uh, they were able to carry out very successful campaigns against, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, in support of net neutrality and what have you. And uh, as soon as comedy started becoming uh, a particular art form that was gaining traction, that was having an impact, obviously it led to places where, uh, you know, they were doing satire, they were doing, uh, making observations on uh, you know, society and the, and 
general they generally they were questioning power structures and what not in their own way and it wasn't uh, you know limited to elites in a comedy club it was finally uh pick up picking up and creating conversations online you know which is why i think uh, comedy suddenly started getting a lot of attention since 2015 i think that's been the difference since okay so you're saying basically once uh, once uh, stand up uh, comedy content st- started moving out of uh, comedy clubs and started setting uh, agendas and conversations in online forums that's when it began to attract uh, notice and from from online uh, outrage then uh, we've uh, reached a situation where very frequently the one which uh, the kind of outrage which takes place online translates into uh, Uh, criminal cases and uh, so on offline as well and on this you know i think uh, arthi i would like to bring you in on this question there seem to be uh, an entire arsenal of laws and provisions uh, that enable those who f- might feel outraged by some joke uh, to actually end up criminalizing uh, comedy we know for example the sedition law has been used and the contempt law has been used so and there seem to be many others so can you broadly uh, sum up these various laws the most frequently invoked ones and how they impact uh, comedians and entertainers um sure i mean you're right sampath uh, the offended members of indian society are really spoiled for choice when it comes to provisions of law that they can invoke in an attempt to criminalize art and creative expression um and even these provisions of law are often creatively deployed and strained in order to charge entertainers and comedians um i mean i it might be difficult to give you an exhaustive list but i can give you an indicative list of the most frequently invoked provisions um so under the indian penal code um there are provisions relating to religious offenses um so if you promote enmity or sorry enmity between different groups on grounds of religion um where you injure or defile a place of worship where you deliberately and maliciously outrage religious feelings of a class of um, indian citizens or outrage their religious beliefs um uttering words that wound religious feelings of a person um then you have a different set of laws like the criminal defamation law um you have obscenity laws that uh, prohibit the publication and circulation of material that's lascivious um then you have uh, statements that uh, amount to public mischief statements that promote enmity or hatred between classes of people um and then of course if this uh, objectionable content is available online then there are implications under the information technology act for example um so there's a wide array of provisions um criminal provisions that can be deployed against people entertainers and comedians um as you've asked uh the problem really is that the law affords protection to the prickliest common denominator in society so what's notable about these laws is that it doesn't only prohibit speech that harms vulnerable communities or speech that perhaps reinforces historical prejudices against them say speech that you know is targeted on caste lines or is homophobic um our speech laws is they are class agnostic and group agnostic so they lend themselves to powerful classes and communities who may be quick to take offense um using them even if they're not tangibly harmed um and you know seeking prosecution on that basis um so yeah that's and offending someone's sentiments is itself recognized as a harm under criminal law and it's unfortunate because the role of art and comedy um is often to provoke and to offend so it's it's unsurprising that content that pushes the envelope is sought to be criminalized and here i would agree with agrima and that this is not a new phenomenon um we see more instances of it now because content is more widely disseminated online but historically edgy content has always come under the radar um and the other aspect to consider is that while sometimes you have progressive pronouncements from the courts um where they affirm the importance of artistic freedom and the freedom of speech and expression um these really offer cold comfort to individual artists 
um, who really have to suffer the punishment of the criminal justice machinery when it's weaponized against them. Uh, trials could drag on for years. Obtaining bail, as we've seen, is not as straightforward um, a matter as it ought to be. It's not quick. It's not inexpensive. And what really is the perhaps one of the worst aspects of this problem is that when the provisions of law are misused, um, when arrests are made unlawfully by the police, uh, there is no system that holds these errant officers accountable um, and prevents them from misusing the law in future. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably the broad lay of the land. So, but turning to your second, the second part of your question, which is the impact that this has on comedians and artists, um, the more immediate effect is the punishment of the criminal justice system, as I mentioned, the cost and time implications and the unpredictability of the process. Um, but the other aspect to consider is the chilling effect that it has, um, that, you know, it may cause, it gives them cause for pause. They will consider and be more circumspect when it comes to taking risks with their content. And um, it's not just the artist, but it's society that's the worst for it because you just have art that doesn't progress. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, I think one of the things uh, you, you brought up is, of course, uh, how artists have to become increasingly uh, more circumspect and so on. Agrim, I wanted you to come in on this aspect. I mean, uh, you, you have been targeted for an innocuous uh, joke. I mean, what kind of an impact, uh, if at all it had an impact, uh, did it have on your, your career, uh, your, your revenue opportunities as a comedian, your creative process as an artist? Could you talk a little bit about uh, that as well? One of the things that Aarti pointed out was uh, how there are provisions to ensure that there is no material that is encouraged that promotes enmity between communities. That was basically, right. she's right when she says that it's people have to be mindful about what kind of message are they sending out with the material that they're writing, right? And uh, there's a concept of punching down that is practiced hmm. in comedy, where you punching up, I mean, not punching down, uh, where you try to see whether your satire, the target of your satire is somebody who's already an oppressed community, or is the target of your satire the powerful? So these were small rules that we had set for ourselves when we started to do uh, to write jokes, when we started to learn how to write jokes. So when all of this happened, the first thing that occurred to me was to examine my entire material and see, am I being tone deaf to communities that are already vulnerable? And then I, and then I started to realize that the people who are being implicated for jokes are not really making fun of uh, the powerless. They're making fun of the powerful. If you, I, I don't want to name names, but the people who are being pulled up uh, in court right now and being produced before the court are artists who are questioning authorities. They are not punching down on uh, the already downtrodden. So the one thing that we are const that I am now even more mindful of is to ensure that every time the uh, target of a joke is not somebody who is oppressed, somebody who is uh, powerless. So that was the first thing that I went through uh, when I went through my material. Uh, as far as opportunities are concerned, uh, I'll be very honest. There are lots of brands and uh, a lot of companies that do not want to be associated with, a, with an artist who has a political uh, background of some sort. Even though uh, I won't say any comedian has a political background as such, but if you have a certain political leaning that they assume that your jokes have, they immediately uh, club you as a controversial club you with the controversial artists, and uh, of course it. Is it like a one only one kind of a political leaning, or uh, or certain kinds of political leanings is not a problem? If suppose I'm a right wing. A comedian who makes jokes <laughs> against uh, certain targets of right wingers, would I still be considered a no go by the by these people? Firstly, I can assure you, there's no such thing as a pro government comedian. There's no such thing as a pro establishment comedian. Firstly, because because there is no establishment, there is no pro established comedian purely because uh, the very 
essence of comedy is uh, to be audacious, to make fun of the people in power, right? If you are uh, making jokes that are uh, pro government, and I don't know how anyone would find them funny if you ask me. If you're going to make jokes at the expense of the powerless, if you're going to make jokes that are I've never, first of all, I don't know. I've never come across a right-wing comedian, so so to say. All the comedians who are so-called political. Well, comedians. I could point you. Uh, I could point you to an example. I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't take names, but there has there have been. I mean, there seem to be a set of people who seem to find it uh, funny. I mean, for example, there was a comedian who has made jokes about videos about Rihanna and uh, Greta Thunberg, who are oh, two individuals who are speaking up against certain powerful uh, groups, institutions. So, yeah. and that person is a comedian, you know. So uh, is she a stand-up comedian? I don't think she's a stand-up comedian. She's a YouTuber. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. We okay. are uh, very careful about who we uh, lend that name to. I took a long time to earn the label of a stand-up comedian. I had to be humiliated on stage for at least two years, day after day, at every open mic. I used to do two to three open mics in a day, at which I, out of okay. which uh, five days in a week, I used to go for open mics. Three days I would bomb. Two days it would work. And uh, we all worked very hard to earn that label of a stand-up comedian. And then you have sudden, someone suddenly taking, recycling the three-year-old memes on a particular poet just because it's fitting an agenda. Um, I don't know if that's that can actually be counted as comedy because a lot of people pointed out that it wasn't really funny. It turned out to be a very tone-deaf take. It turned out to be a state. There was nothing. As comedy also depends on an element of surprise and a fresh take. Right? If it's not right. fresh, you're not going to laugh at it. If it's something you were expecting the entire time, you're not going to laugh. Right? If it's if it doesn't, because most of the time, the reason why we love, I'm going to talk about the comedians that people universally love. If you go to a, a show with Biswa Kalyan Rath, you're going to come back with a way of thinking that you never thought of before, and that made you laugh. It has to be fresh, and it can't be fresh if it's constantly recycling the same pro-established narrative that you are reading on WhatsApp. It's like saying that WhatsApp forwards that you receive at the expense of a particular uh, community is funny. It's like saying jokes that were made about the Jews during the Holocaust were funny. I don't think any of us can look back. I mean, if, it's, if a joke is good, it's going to stand the test of time. It will be funny at any point of time. I don't think okay. we get any of those jokes about that were made at the expense of Jews during the Holocaust funny right now. Right. We'll, we'll come back to this topic in a bit. I, uh, before that, I wanted to ask uh, Aarti uh, one particular uh, legal uh, uh, law-related question, which is to do with this uh, Section 295A, uh, uh, where uh, comedians or any uh, content uh, maker, for instance, could be uh, prosecuted for religious... Uh, for offending religious uh, feelings uh, pertaining to you know faiths, I mean, is, is is this only applicable to faiths that are officially recognized as a religion in India? I mean, I, I mean, I could have a religious feeling about anything. I could have a religious feeling about Sachin Tendulkar, for example. And tomorrow, people could you know take offense, you know, saying Sachin is a god, and you offended, you said derogatory things about my god. Like, how does this section work? <laughs> Um, Well, interesting question, uh, Sampad. So, um, unfortunately, there is no uh, restrictive reading um, in the law as to what qualifies as a religion. It's not been defined under the Indian Penal Code. It's not defined under the Constitution. And it's, in fact, been interpreted very expansively by the courts. Um, So, I mean, there was a seven-judge bench that uh, defined religion to be a matter of belief and doctrine concerning the human spirit expressed overtly in the form of ritual and worship. And uh, I apologize for the wording, though I have nothing to do with it. But it really doesn't, you know, give any clarity to the issue. But the consequence of this is really that it can be applied to, for instance, a self-proclaimed God-man, to, you know, cults that spring up. And, you know, while like Sachin Tendulkar, I hope is is still a stretch, um, conceivably, you know, apply to situations where it was never meant to really apply. Um, and there is no, you know, clarity that the law has offered in as to what um, what is a religion 
and uh, you know there's no bracket or a tight um, there's no tight definition as to what could amount to religious feelings um which is what makes this provision of law so prone to misuse but um, i mean apart from that when there are cult followings of famous personalities there's also criminal defamation charges that can be slapped against the uh, entertainer so there's always that 295a has more typically been invoked against you know, when it comes to actual religious communities majority communities or sometimes as i mentioned cults and godmen um can i yes agriba yeah. sure can i file an fir with the up police against humiliation fawad khan if anyone says something insulting then i can just declare fawad khan's my religion and just say whatever well good luck <laughs> um i mean i'm sure there would be a police officer who would have a good laugh or may even privately agree with you that he would uh, be a more godly figure than a lot of other establishment figures or gods um <laughs> but um unfortunately or fortunately this hasn't been tested in a court of law yet or not to my knowledge <laughs> is there anything that is stopping me from doing that right now somebody says something somebody makes a meme on fawad khan i don't like it i just go like this is hurting my religious sentiments my religion is fawad khan is that any, i'm just genuinely if it's if somebody has to just troll with the law well filing an fir is something that you can possibly do whether they actually register the fir or not is one aspect yeah, um, but i can use it as an intimidation tactic i take a screenshot of that fir and go like buddy i have done this for you now please delete your tweet i i wouldn't advise it <laughs> so <laughs> maybe uh, you may have a better luck probably with shri shri fawad or fawad swami ji or something like that not i distance yeah. myself from whatever this was i have this is nothing <laughs> i haven't said that <laughs> okay uh, uh agree i wanted to ask you uh, uh, one uh, important question given the current uh, context you you are a woman comedian and also from a minority community so is is this are these aspects uh, relevant in terms of the magnitude of uh, threats or the, the the likelihood of anybody taking offense or creating a controversy or it doesn't really matter a male comedian from the majority enjoys or sort of receives the same level of uh, faces the same level of threats as a woman comedian or a minority comedian what 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 is your what are your thoughts on this You know it's really tragic because for the longest time I've been doing comedy for about four years, and in none of those situations was I ever made to feel that I was a minority at least on stage. Yes, I did experience the feeling of being a woman because it takes a lot longer to get the men to laugh, and as soon as you get them to laugh, you kind of feel like it's a win because you've been able to win over an audience that doesn't go through the same experiences as you and is statistically less inclined to empathy to be able to get what you're going through in order to be able to get the laugh so we work a little harder to make our experiences more general enough because the universal experience that is there the you know the default experience is that of being a man which is why if you will hear a bunch of comedians making jokes about watching porn or masturbating generally very male feelings but women will still laugh because we have a greater amount of empathy so as far as my jokes were concerned i tried really hard and you know, hard to ensure that they were relatable to men as well right and in order for me to do that i had to pick up observations that were common to both men and women across uh, classes and genders and it turns out even that's not enough because if you become a target the issue is that assume the reason why they come for your identity if you're an artist or if you're any kind of a person who doesn't agree with them the reason why they reduce you to your identity is because there is no other argument that holds good right if you if you were to just rationally discuss this with them that buddy what i've said is actually not offensive what i've said is completely within my rights to say but as soon as they start bringing up your as soon as they realize that they are losing the argument they will bring up everything about your identity so yes you are then that's when your minority identity comes into play and uh, your uh, gender also comes into play saying the the usual thing that i've uh, and of course the 
I'm not going to say that male comedians do not face threats, irrespective of religion. Because uh, they have been, I would say that the current cases that are there in uh, court right now, they're fairly, uh, they, I mean, they've, they've, they've kind of covered all ground across religions for male comedians as well as female comedians. But uh, yeah, the level of threat is higher if you're a woman because the kind of threats that you get are obviously of the obvious violent kind. It's more than just death threats. It's you, you, you sometimes end up reading some very scary things online, which can be intimidating. Okay. Okay. So one interesting uh, 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 news item which I came across uh, recently is that uh, there has been a database of uh, about 405 cases uh, filed for criticizing uh, politicians and governments in the last uh, 10 years. And about 150 of them were uh, accused of making derogate, derogatory remarks against uh, uh, the Prime Minister, and then there were also cases filed for anti-national content. So, Arthi, I just wanted to get some clarity on this. Does a label such as anti-national, is it legally defined? Does it stand in a court of law? How are people filing cases against comedians saying this is anti-national content? Like for offending religious sentiments, you've got something like 298A. So, what is this for, uh, what is the section for anti-national content or making fun of the Prime Minister? Um, it wouldn't, I mean, there is no provision on anti-national content or anything that criminalizes somebody who's, um, you know, identifies as an urban axel. I mean, they would perhaps go under sedition law or, um, I mean, some of the other provisions that I had indicated early on. It could be, you know, statements um, conducing to public mischief, statements promoting enmity, hatred or ill will between classes. Um or if it's a particular politician, then it could be criminal defamation. Um, so that's normally the provisions of law that are invoked. Um, so yeah, the labels themselves don't have any legal relevance or status, um, but they just feed into the prejudice that's created against these individuals through the media. And this prejudice is eventually leveraged um, when there is an intention to prosecute them. So that um, you know, some antipathy is created uh, against these individuals. No, but there is a state government. But, uh, no, see, the Uttarakhand government has said no that they will be monitoring legal. social media for anti-national content. This is the taxpayers' money going into monitoring anti-national content. Yeah, you're right. I mean, which is why I mean, it's an um, it's a very worrying development. Um, that they, I mean, not just the threat to uh, to monitor anti-national content, but certain states are even thinking of some form of vigilantism where citizens can report on other citizens' activity um, activities on social media, um, which is also a very disturbing development. And this, I mean, what is identified as anti-national is often prosecuted as seditious, um, and it's a rank misuse of the provision of law. Um, but then again, going back to what I already mentioned, even if, you know, 20 years down the line or 10 years down the line, you are acquitted in a trial for sedition, you've still suffered the punishment of the process. Um, the ingredients of the crime may not ever be established, um, but the indignity of the trial remains, um, the consequences of it, the effect it has on your reputation, on your livelihood and on your life in general is something that's irreparable. Um, so, no, I, I see where your concern is coming from. It's utterly um, irresponsible and wrong for a government to be going after anti-national content, which is something that as a legal concept does not exist. Um, but often criticism of the government is elevated to the status of sedition. And uh, that's what's used to prosecute individuals who do criticize the government. Agrima, I have a question on 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 something uh, which probably you'll be able to answer best, given that you've been writing jokes for a for a considerable period of time. Is, I mean, do you think there has been uh, the list of subjects that one can joke about or even mention has been shrinking consistently over a period of time? Like, for instance, earlier I would remember only. Uh, rape jokes were taboo and, and jokes about the Holocaust were taboo. But then it became God and, you know, uh, the prime minister. And there's so many other things you can't joke about. You People are afraid to even mention. So are there, what are the really safe, are there any really absolutely safe subjects for comedians in India today? 
you know while you say rape jokes are taboo are you really saying rape jokes are taboo in india please go through all the so called youtube comedians i'm talking about youtube comedians not stand up comedians these youtube channels and look at the kind of content they make i won't say rape jokes are taboo in india at least india is very okay with uh, rape jokes misogynistic jokes casteist jokes jokes that uh, make fun of uh, already uh, targeted marginalized people you know we are totally okay with that most of the youtubers look at uh, i'm not afraid to say it carrie minati look at his content yeah <laughs> what is it he sat and made an entire video uh, targeting uh, trans people all that youtube could do was pull him down from uh, youtube but he didn't lose any of his fan following in fact his fan following increased so uh, the limits to the topics that people can joke about have always been there but those limits are only there to protect the already powerful tomorrow they'll say you can't make jokes on ambani or dani also which is what the prime minister has suggested in fact sorry i no, please go ahead you. please i, I mean I, that it would be great if you could throw some light on that i, I did not know that no no i mean i'm just uh, referring to a slightly cryptic uh, tweet by the prime minister saying that we shouldn't attack the youth of india which um was right after there was a lot of criticism directed at the two big a's because he associated the youth with the private sector is it and uh, ironically two people who are anything but youthful youthful correct uh, <laughs> but yeah um, i mean it's exactly what you're saying where the protection is to the already powerful it is uh, very it's very unfortunate that the you said the topics are decreasing i would say see here is the thing a lot of people sit here and assume that comedians sit down together in some kind of workshop where they make a list of topics they can joke about and then they make use them as writing prompts that's not how it works if something occurs to me as really funny i will joke about it as simple as that the fact that the delhi police has produced 11 lakh pages as so called evidence against a particular political prisoner based on just his whatsapp chats to me if i feel like saying that that sounds like a best selling novel that's a that's the delhi police delhi police should give tips to george r r martin on writing fiction if i feel like saying that i should be able to say it because it occurs to me as something hilarious something extremely unbelievably ridiculous and absurd right but how do you uh, you know fight back with satire in a time when all your headlines read like satire uh i'm from uttar pradesh and uh, i have like these news alerts that keep popping up from up and every time i've read a headline from up it's never been not absurd it's always been strange it's always been something like i don't know some police men chased after a hot air balloon in the shape of spider man because they thought it was an alien i'm not making it up this is an actual thing that happened <laughs> every time i read news i have a friend i kid you not i have a friend he sends me today in up that's 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 all that's all the conversation i have with him and every time it's always something ridiculous like a bunch of villagers held a crocodile ransom for 50000 rupees and this should become an email subscription Today, sorry yeah you it this this is equivalent this is great for a, this is actually like a podcast you could make a podcast out of it like today in up uh the deal is that all of this it doesn't not occur to you as funny arti if you think about it why would i why would i sit and make jokes on something stale like salman khan movies that people have been making fun of for the last 20 years when there is something new and fresh right out there for me to make fun of that's all that occurs to you when you're a comedian and yeah i mean there's a little bit of responsibility that i have where i see if something is funny also like for example a particular very respected journalist she got catfished okay not catfished or whatever it is that happened i did not want to add to the garbage of the right wing jokes that were coming towards her i just didn't i was like this is not fresh to me this is this theme stale every thought that would be written for this would be would have been written already why should i add to this garbage why not pick up something new to talk about and then dress it up in your own uh, comedic fashion and present it to the world 
that's all you think about when you're sitting and writing comedies and yeah you add your perspective you add your uh, background all of it uh, adds up to making perhaps what i assume is richer content everybody wants to be their own individual on stage right now if i had if i was a delhi guy with a with an ex that i'm obsessed about all the time and i wanted to write jokes only about her i would do that because that was something i would think about all the time but that's not what i think about all the time what i think about all the time is when i wake up i see the news alerts and i it it seems ridiculous to me and then i write about it it's not that you sit with this particular agenda that i must make a joke on the establishment today agree my fair point uh, but but is it it also the case that i mean a great I mean, quite a few of uh, uh, stand up uh, comedians i don't know if you would call them youtube comedians some of them are on youtube as well as on uh, or, or, or as well as in the stand up circuit i mean they they make jokes about hostel life and you know <laughs> getting uh, flirting with girls and you know and they have tremendous uh, fan bases you know yeah. so it's not like uh, the political critic is even on the radar for many of these comedians and they seem to be i don't know they would argue that this is the kind of uh, turf uh, that is uh, that is safe. the actual you know safe and you know they would rather stick to that rather than make jokes about democracy and what not see i would not dismiss the non political comedians as lacking in talent because there are pretty great comics out there like uh, sumit anand and all who have not touched political comedy as such yet but their the level at which they think and the kind of thoughts that they write out and the kind of uh, comedic satire that they put across in their shows is pretty brilliant it's pretty intense so whatever occurs to them is funny i would say go ahead talk about it um a lot of comedians give us have given uh See, all I would say is that if you're a comedian with that kind of a platform where eight thousand people can gather to come watch you, there are lines, there are people lining up to watch you. Uh, you have that kind of a platform that's afforded to you, so why won't you raise your voice in ag- ag- against an injustice that has now hit home for comedians? It's right at your doorstep, right? Right? It's not alien to us anymore. It's not something happening to outsiders or people. who are just activists or journalists it's come to comedians as well so why won't you raise your voice for one of your own now that's their choice that's something they don't want to do they probably have a lot more to lose than i have because i honestly don't i probably don't know what it's like to have 8000 people gathering up for me so i don't know what i what kind of a person i would be in that kind of situation um so no i would i will i will come back to that a lot of them say that they worry about their safety their safety of the family i would just say one thing that a few years ago a comedian got death threats for making jokes about dj's that that's an actual thing that happened in india he basically joked that that joked about dj's using only one side of the headset and not the other that was his joke that is all he said and he received death threats he received threats to his wife and this was a comedian who tried really hard to not say anything political and yet there was outrage to an extent where one of his shows got uh, cancelled because there was uh, fear of vandalism by a group of djs i think there is a part of it could be uh, a part of the, i don't know it could be much more much less a fraught existence for uh, comedians uh, today if i think our, uh, our friends in the legal fraternity had a sense of uh, humor as well you know so i wanted to ask arthi this question is is not having a sense of humor one of the eligibility criteria to become a lawyer or a judge in india today i mean i have the has the indian legal fraternity always been this strictly about jokes even the progressive ones well um, i mean as a lawyer i should perhaps attempt a defense here but i have to agree with you in saying that the uh, legal community in india takes itself all too seriously I mean um I don't know if you've had the misfortune of actually being in an Indian courtroom because what passes off as uh, courtroom banter will just bear out the point that you made um lawyers and judges singularly lack a sense of humor and um <clears throat> but I mean on a more serious note it isn't just the lack of sense of humor that is a matter of concern um I mean Indians Indian society in general lacks a sense of humor 
but why this is a peculiarly i mean this is a uniquely um, problematic aspect of the legal community is that it is instrumental in shaping and giving effect to the laws that protect the freedom of speech in india so their conservatism has a direct impact on how the law is applied so for instance obscenity laws adopt a community standard test um so the test is whether the material is offensive in the context of contemporary social mores and um attitudes and we're talking about a country of over 1.3 billion people and uh, determining what this community standard is is an impossible and unrewarding exercise so inevitably what happens and what is applied is the social and cultural consciousness of the judges and those who assist the court which are the lawyers so i'll give you an example of this um a rather recent example in fact uh, it's a 2014 judgment of the supreme court um arising from a charge of obscenity uh so this obscenity charge related to a poem that was composed um and it was published in a closed private publication amongst bank employees um and this poem had certain uh, allegedly vulgar and obscene words that were attributed to mahatma gandhi um and in fact i mean the judgment says that the words were so vulgar and obscene that they can't even be reproduced in the judgment so it's left to everyone's imagination as to what the words are and um the court appointed what's called an amicus curiae that is a friend of the court to guide and assist it in this process of adjudicating whether this was indeed obscene and or whether the charges should be quashed and the senior advocate who was engaged is considered one of india's foremost uh, constitutional law scholars and um i mean his submissions were that while these words if it had been attributed to you or um or me would not have been vulgar or obscene but if you put that in the mouth of mahatma gandhi then uh, it's absolutely un- unacceptable and it doesn't serve any artistic purpose so the community the contemporary community standard test that was applied to conclude that the vulgar and obscene words could never be attributed to gandhi in the name of artistic freedom or poetic license i feel was a result of you know the people who were involved in this adjudicatory process and um, the charge of obscenity against the lawyer the sorry the author and the publisher was not quashed by the court as a result so this is an instance of why the social cultural profile of judges and lawyers become relevant and i mean the legal community is one that clings to tradition it has very very rigid hierarchies and actually an almost comical reverence for authority um which you know i mean another instance of this is um where uh, a young woman was jailed for reposting a meme about the west bengal chief minister mamta banerji and when she was eventually released on bail the supreme court required that and this we're talking about at the stage of bail so she's not even been tried or convicted but they directed her to issue an apology upon her release um to the chief minister so i mean there is this servility that is so common in this profession and it manifests itself in the outcomes in courtrooms and i mean the other aspect of it is a recent trend that we've witnessed of it's not actually just a recent trend but when you have sitting judges of the supreme court heaping praises on the prime minister and in speeches you know i referring to him as a versatile genius or a visionary you're unlikely to have this isn't the kind of judiciary that's going to be robust and really respect and protect acts of citizens who are thumbing their noses at authority i mean as agrima said earlier like comedy at its finest is audacious and that's really not a sentiment that finds any currency in the legal community um so as a result we live in a country where like a literal middle finger directed at a figure in authority or an offensive meme could land you know make one vulnerable to prosecution while you have powerful political leaders who refer to members of minority communities as termites and face no consequences um so yeah there are profound implications um of from this lack of humor that the legal community suffer from and this is just 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to agree with you there. Somewhere. Okay, Agrima, would you want to add anything to this uh, on this? Yeah, question? there's also I've also found out that uh, the legal community also has this uh, obsession with decorum, which is uh, something that my uh, the person I was consulting with she constantly. I'm sorry, uh, I I missed that. Can you say that again? Obsession with decorum. Dec- uh, there is a certain obsession with decorum in the legal community as well, aside from reverence. Okay. uh which is which the person i was consulting legally she used to complain about it quite a bit she said that you're not a bad lawyer if you don't stick to decorum and that uh, and it leads to, and, and you know when uh, rt said it's almost comical comical need for reverence and decorum uh it reminds me of that uh, meme not meme it was a video that i saw of a zoom conference of a legal discussion that was happening between two or three lawyers and there was one of them i don't know arthi if you saw this i don't know if the lawyers are distributing this because if ha- if it happened in my community i would constantly be talking about it where a one particular lawyer forgot to switch off his uh, cat filter for his zoom i know yeah yeah this went viral at one point and there were a lot of lawyers who were inspired to try and yeah. try similar stunts i mean i w- i was totally thinking myself that, but please <laughs> i would totally love to be represented by a lawyer yeah. in the shape of a cat sorry <laughs> but uh, irreverence is never rewarded unfortunately i mean right from uh, these you know, minor i mean they're not ever mandated but these small practices such as bowing yeah. your head um or you know if a judge is passing uh, through the high court corridors or the corridors of the court you have to get out of his way and clear and give him a wide margin so that you know his um his uh, perambulation is not interrupted by human presence so yeah i mean the, so much unnecessary uh, obsequiousness in this profession and that seeps into it, the judicial process you know, ultimately i feel like the people who we are taking inspiration from like if this was the attitude in the people who fought for our freedom we wouldn't have been able to get our freedom if there was such reverence for authority if you read the texts of people like uh, shaheed bhagat singh and all there is a certain reverence in the way they write as well they have absolutely no patience for authority which can go without question they want to question authority if you're if you have such a, such like unquestionable reverence for authority how are you going to fix systems that are broken right so the problem with comedy is that because we are uh, saying things in such comical fashion because it's technically comedy people assume it's insulting rather than it's in, rather than something that is supposed to make you think so people automatically assume the worst of us the people assume that we are just trying to do this to seek attention to um uh, to uh, you know offend people there is the i the, the whole i can write a 2000 word long essay as well in order to explain my point but it won't be funny and nobody will come and listen to that in a comedy show if i have to put across my point i have to say it in a funny way and if it is supposed to be funny it is going to be a little disrespectful uh that's that is all. i mean that is all yeah and that's usually yeah, going yeah, to be yeah uh, right. going to be you uh, know there's a lot of scope for people who revere authority and who believe in this conservative traditional worship of authority uh, they're going to always you know have problems i guess and that's the i mean the what you see at play in contempt proceedings often i mean when you have an institution that unfortunately suffers from a god complex yeah historically they have um, i mean judgments have these self serving self promoting notions of you know the majesty of justice coming from the courts of law and how the supreme court is the temple of justice um i think a you know a true democratic institution will leave that to the people to judge and won't be you know won't be claiming such titles for itself um but that sort of institutional circumspection and humility hasn't happened yet um and that's why when you do challenge these notions about the court it's typically not happening right i think we are running out of uh, time here so uh, just one final closing comments from both of you to the to the main question is it fair to say that india is criminalizing comedy and entertainment or is it a hyperbole yeah agrima you can go first um 
well i'd like to say that uh, comedy has existed in india in other forms long before youtube and stand up happened there used to be this thing called hasya kavi sammelans which has been happening which have been happening for a very long time you know these are satirical poetry gatherings uh, there are thing in the hindi heartland and if you listen to the poems you will realize that those poems are not exactly very polite just because they use long words that are written in very beautiful language doesn't mean they are not mocking the oppressors that they are not making commentary on uh, society and religion it's just that stand up comedy happens to have a massier reach we are saying things in plain and simple language that can be understood by more people than somebody who is uh, you know only ad- addressing in the form of sahitya you know in, in lyrical f- format i would greatly encourage everybody who has a problem with comedy to go through uh, you know uh, the poetry of uh, a lot of our uh, hindi poets um surendra sharma for example they do make allusions to gods and goddesses they make allusions to mythology they make uh, they they i'm not saying they mock religion but they use religion as an allegory to uh comment on current uh, inequalities in society and uh, i i would greatly I, i really want to know why they seem why they constantly keep isolating stand up comedy as something evil and immoral when all of this form of satire has existed for such a long time so that's all i'd like to say towards the end okay uh arti what would be your final thoughts on this uh, question we were discussing yeah um well a couple of things one your question is is india criminalizing comedy um so i mean just to address the perception that it's just india i think comedy and satire have always you know the best and the finest comedy and satire have always been edgy and controversial and um, democracies including ones that champion free speech have grappled with it um and i think a striking example of that is lenny bruce in the united states um who was charged and tried for obscenity and is possibly the reason why stand up comedians in the united states have it as easy as they do right now um and so and even the prosecution and persecution of artists and comedians in india now is it it's not a recent phenomenon it's as old as our um, free, i mean as old as our society um there is more discussion about it and i think what we see is a slightly is a growing concern about the extent to which the legal apparatus is able to protect um and champion the the freedom of speech and expression um but i don't think this is a recent concern and i i don't think it's an indian concern alone okay so uh, i guess uh, this is uh, at the the heart of the whole debate and to what extent the legal apparatus can uh, champion free speech and uh, protect it when uh, comedians and other entertainers and creative artists do something audacious thank you so much agrima thank you arti it was a pleasure discussing this subject with both of you thank you so much sapan thank you thank, thank you, you. Thank you.